Okay, it is December 22nd, 2022. On the prayer list, uh, Reverend Davis and his family, and he's needing a touch of healing uh, for his body. We're praying for Marta and Charles and for business and health for them, for uh, Sebron that he might be able to gain access and visit his children. Uh, he's been plagued by apparently a demon-hacked wife. Uh, Bella for victory, and that would be over uh, addiction. And she's down in Florida. Um, a friend of ours that has uh, her daughter. John and Ruby and Vassie and Linda, friends of the podcast. Marcos, salvation for his son, Marcos. We'll mention Osman in here too for him and his church. I want to pray for Elon Musk and keep him in prayer for protection. I think the deep state would really love to get rid of him. Pray for the people of China, for our children and our grandchildren. Little Ethan Atwell, that they'd figure out what's wrong that he's not growing. And my friend Ken Kelsch for blessings and restoration of health. Bob for his children, Stephanie and Mike, unsafe family members. Happy birthday, Ted and Mary. Yes, it was nice to talk to Ted today. I'm glad you called, Bob, about that. Pray for the folks in Europe, the heat situation, the food, the war zone situation. There's a lot of people that are victimized by this CIA PSYOP Ukraine war. I saw a thing. I shared it on Facebook. It showed uh, Mitch McConnell and Chairman Joe Biden standing there together. It's photoshopped. It's hilarious. And uh, and then next to him was that FTX guy, that dude with the weird hair. That what's his name? Sam Bank. Bank. Yeah. Yeah. So he's there. And then they've got this baby, and it, the Chairman Biden's got it slung over his shoulders in this little baby carrier. You know, and it's got its legs stuck out like this, and it's it's uh, it's uh, um, the Ukraine leader uh, Zelensky, and uh, he's got on his shirt more money. It says "Send more money," and the caption of the thing was uh, three unwise men and a welfare baby." <laughs> oh man, that was perfect. Um. Pray for salvation among those who purport to lead us. Frank and Dorothy Wingo. Eric, Rex, Ted, Reverend Davis family. America, unsaved family members. For Ray and Judy, and he had a good visit with Judy. Let's pray that Judy will get her appetite back and be able to eat. Uh, Let's pray for our loved ones who have received those COVID shots that they might just supernaturally shake them off. And I believe that a lot of people will, probably even most will. Um, had a, one of our former clients, he hadn't been back in a while, but 13-year-old boy killed over dead. 13. 13. Not a word about what caused it, I'm almost certain. It's like our client the other day said, you know, at this point in American history, you know, basically when you hear of somebody dying young, that's what you're going to have to assume the case is because that's most likely what the case is. You got your Bible? Who was that 13-year-old kid? Is it Virginia Beach. Is it a relation to that client? Yeah, his son. Yeah, his son. Oh, his son? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I know. Are you talking about um, teeth? Yeah. What? Uh, we have a client who's... He lost his son most yeah. likely to that clot shot but nothing's being said about it what makes reason? it more more like probable they yeah. call that an amyloid clot amyloid. That right? mm. that's the name they assigned to that thing okay we got it's <clears throat> in washington to be rounded up and put in in prison uh george weiser senior and junior joe weiser for salvation phil tobelman healing and uh, Scotty Vaught uh, and Harry Blevins. Larry. Larry Blevins. And uh, Reverend Davis and 
There's one more here. After Larry Blevins. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, join hands and. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this assembly that we could come together and just have your Holy Spirit with us, teaching us, guiding us, helping us to see truth and understand. Be with each of us, not just tonight, but as we go, as we come, protecting us, God, and our families, even by angels. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. we kind of been working a little bit through this Christmas story. <clears throat> probably pick it up in verse 22 Luke chapter 2 22 I don't think we read here we might overlap a little bit from last week but I don't think so this uh, heading here says baby Jesus in the temple and when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years, 84 years. She's over 100. <sighs> Sounds like it. Yeah, she was. Which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers day and night. And just to stop there, I mean, we talked to Ted Mary today. He's 89. And he serves God continually. That's what keeps him going. You know, uh, he, honestly, that man gets up every day. What can he do for the Lord? Is it uh, volunteer at a food bank? Does it go teach at Truck Stop Ministries? Or who can he pray for? Who can he help? He's always, as long as I've known him, that's how he's been. Right, Bob? Absolutely. So God preserves you when you're serving him. And um, that's an interesting note. Verse 38, And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Jesus grew up in Nazareth. He was called Jesus of Nazareth. Still is called that in many many uh, ways of speaking. Well, now he's 12 years old, verse 41. 
Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. They apparently had traveled in a band of different people and family members, and he was probably moving here and there. But, you know, he's, he's God incarnate. So he can send them on thinking that he's with them while he wants to speak to the people in the temple. Verse 44, But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolks and acquaintances. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wished ye not, did you not know, that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That gets us to chapter 3. There's not a whole lot about the life of Jesus as he... uh, was growing up a little bit but not a lot we know that the holy spirit was with him he's god we saw too in that chapter that the holy spirit was on uh simeon so you know you could have i mean king david you know had the holy spirit but i mean he, he could come and go and we can act in ways in our humanity and sinning in our flesh to cause the Holy Spirit to depart from us. But when we have our mind right and we pray in the Spirit, how can you pray in the Spirit without the Spirit? You have to have the Holy Spirit upon you, with you, and then you pray in the Spirit, which is the way we're told to pray. You pray what God's will might be. You hear what? You see, this uh, fellow Simeon, he was told by God. He was told by the Holy Spirit that uh, he would see the Christ before he died. So he was able to hear the Holy Spirit speak to him. Verse, or I'm sorry, chapter 3. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee. By the way, there's like three different Herods and people get mixed up. I mean, they're they're recorded in history, not just biblical history, but um, uh, secular Josephus, or as uh, Art, Pastor Art Davis called him, Bocephus. I said, I think that's Hank Jr. <laughs> Didn't know he wrote a historical book about... And where did he pray it? Uh, oh yeah, poor Art. He's go. He 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 said uh, he, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Yosemite. Yosemite. I hope you don't listen to this. I love that man to death. He's a servant. He's you know he's dodged bullets in his life because he serves the Lord. You keep serving the Lord, you'll get to be like that lady Anna, a hundred and some years old. We just read about. You serve the Lord, you will go on. Now, there may be different reasons why that wouldn't happen. Somebody dies young doesn't mean they weren't serving the Lord. But that seems to be a a general thing that keeps happening. Uh, Pastor uh, Charles Stanley, he was getting kind of uh, feeble in his mind in his early 80s. And it was kind of obvious. His hope was 
that his son Andy take over the ministry there. Turns out he's an apostate. Andy seems to be. Uh, he, he turned on his father. He told his father that he should resign. He said that Jesus wasn't the only way to heaven. He has apparently said something to that effect. Um, it's a mess. So what, I know that broke Dr. Stanley's heart. Um, but his own son sided with those who wanted to throw him out of First Baptist Atlanta. You guys saw that church. Yeah, we way did. Down, you and Jason. Yeah. Um, goodness, I mean. But Dr. Stanley's first level of loyalty is to, to God, of course. And God restored his mind. And he began speaking just as clearly and fluently as as he had before he went through that spell. And people were saying, well, he's he's done. He can't keep preaching. He He's forgetting what he's going to say. He's misspeaking. That changed. Did Andy ever get squared away? I don't know. I, I don't know. think so. Mega church with six campuses. Yeah. yeah. It's in Atlanta, too, or near there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's called North something church north point north yeah. did you see the one downtown the one that they're the one they're trying to raise money for or yeah. well um they moved you know um first baptist moved way up peach tree road about 10 miles i, I saw charles stanley's church when me and jason went um, down it's like right next to the highway like you can okay it's like right I said next to the first highway. baptist atlanta yeah okay the one downtown though is what okay they used to be at. Okay, so chapter 3. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Itera, and of the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene. Now we've got a good Texas city in here. Thankfully. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priests, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. This is, of course, John the Baptist. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, <laughs> The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. That's out of Isaiah. I was. Some of you guys have heard this. I'll tell it again anyway. Maybe not all of you have. I was unloading fuel up at uh, a surface mine, Oceana, West Virginia. So when I, I checked in... Uh, you know, I unloaded the fuel and I went over there and signed the paperwork at the office and the guys in the office were just downcast. And I said, what's gone? What's gone wrong? They said, well, we're done. You know, we didn't get a, they didn't renew our permit for this other area over here. And we've, we were mined out unless that permit gets renewed. And I said, oh, well, that's sad. So, because I was enjoying hauling up there. So the next time I was up there, I was pumping the fuel off, having my Bible open on the steering wheel. It's that gold one that's in the dually now. Mm. That's the one. And uh, I was reading in Isaiah, you know, and I was just praying, you know, God, let's not have these men out of work. You know, uh, the earth is yours and everything in it. Maybe they could get this permit or get something, you know. And I prayed as best I was able and, I opened my eyes and there were all these sage weeds that were leaned over like that out in front of the truck, you know, as I looked through the windshield and they were going like that. They were like, the Holy Spirit said they're pointing to an area. I said, that's interesting. And I just felt my spirit move there. And, uh, I, uh, had read that passage out of Isaiah. I said, Lord, are you going to let them continue? Are you going to let them keep mining here? 
And I didn't realize where I was in the Bible necessarily, but I opened my eyes right there. And the very words that my eyes fell on were, every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. That's what a surface mind does. They call them valley fields. They knock the top of the mountain off and fill the valley. That's what they do. And that with those pointing sagebrush weeds or cattail looking things, whatever they were, I went in to get my paperwork signed. I said, I believe y'all going to go on a while. I don't believe this is the end. They didn't believe me. And I said, I've been praying and I feel like, I feel like I've been shown something. I believe you're going to be okay. I'm not sure how. That's just all I'm going to tell you. Yeah, well, I hope you're right. And he signed some paperwork. <clears throat> and uh, I was up there the following week. And I pumped the fuel off and went up to the little office to get the paperwork signed. And, well, they were all upbeat because the time before I'd gone in the office and they were all downcast. And I said, I think you're going to be all right. I said, what's over here in this direction? What's over here? And the foreman said, oh, that's that Litz, L-I-T-Z, that's Litz, that's mined out. Okay. And I was thinking, well, the, the Lord said something's over there. And that's what I just told them. I thought they'd be all right. So I go in this last time, and they're kind of all happy. And I said, did y'all get some good news? Did you get that uh, contract renewed, or did you get that other permit? He said, we don't need that other permit. I said, what do you mean? He said, we found another vein of coal over there on Litz that's going to last for years. And I almost got mad. <laughs> I did because not one of them praised the Lord. I told that one guy, I said, do you remember me coming in here saying that I, I thought God had said you all were going to be okay and I asked you what's over here and you said that's that Litz, Litz property that's, that's mined out? Uh... Yeah, yeah, you did. You did say that. Right back to whatever he was doing, you know. You know, so we see the hand of God in the lives of others that we pray for, and it's almost like so many of them don't want to go there. If they were to praise God, well, that means there is a God, and if there is a God, that means they might likely be accountable to Him. They might be subordinate to Him. So let's just pretend none of that happened. Let's just take our, you know, our newfound blessing here as coincidence in spite of what this hayseed truck driver said. But yeah, it did bother me. Verse 6. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then he said to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answereth and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise, share. Then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. Stop cheating people by taking more taxes than, than, than you're authorized to have. Verse 14, and the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Obviously, they were doing violence. Obviously, they were accusing 
falsely, obviously they weren't happy with their wages. It's interesting, though, that these tax collectors, called publicans here in the King James, and these soldiers, they're interested in what John the Baptist has to say. There is something, there is an anointing on him, and they know that they're hearing from someone with great spiritual power, someone certainly to be reckoned with. So you got tax collectors and soldiers listening. Verse 15, and as the people were in expectation, all the men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not. They may have thought he was Jesus. Not everybody had reverence. But these guys did. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now the immersion baptism, water baptism was a picture. So much through the Old Testament, the feasts of Leviticus and other things that God commanded done, there was it was like charades in a way they're acting something out and that does communicate at a level that uh, sometimes maybe even straight up words don't you're seeing uh, something acted out and you wonder what it is what are these people getting dunked in the water and coming up out of the water like they're as happy as they've ever been in their lives what is this the immersion baptism was a picture of the Holy Spirit. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized. Baptismo. It means to put one thing into another, like a hand into a glove. But the immersion baptism was a picture of the real baptism. And a lot of folks, Church of Christ and others, they really think that water immersion baptism saves you. I recommend to get it, to get baptized in the water if you've never been. Just, and, and make sure there's some some people around because it's a picture for others, not so much for yourself. You already know if you're being drawn to immersion baptism, you've already been baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's almost in that case as if you're trying to say, let me show you what this feels like. Y'all come down to the creek with me and and I'll have the pastor baptize me, and I want you to know what this feels like. Verse 17. Now, John is still talking, John the Baptist. And he says, Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire, unquenchable. And many other things... In his exhortation, preached he unto the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. So it says in verse 21, now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. I just noticed something. Who baptized Jesus? Does it mean that John was already in prison in verse 20 and Jesus gets baptized in verse 21? By whom? Or does that mean he ultimately was put in prison but not before he did this? You see anything to add clarity to that? That's why we're all here. So I'm going to read 21 again. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying the heaven was opened and the Holy Ghost descended and a bodily shape like a dove upon him. 
And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I am well pleased. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Now, you're going to see a lineage here, and you can read that in your own study time. Um, these lineages, there's one here in Luke, and there's one that's reckoned, uh, I guess, through from perhaps Mary's side. Is that right? In Matthew, they're uh, pointing to where he came from in bodily form. But uh, Joseph wouldn't have had, he would not have imparted any DNA to Jesus. Mary was pregnant with Jesus before Joseph had been with her. And in fact, he was thinking of putting her away after it started to become obvious, remember? And he was shown in a dream, you know, don't do this. <clears throat> so uh, the, the Bible backs itself up with uh, these lineages. And again, there's one in Matthew. When you go to chapter 4, the title here this Bible version I have, the devil tempts Jesus. And it's also mentioned Mark 4, 1 through 11, I'm sorry, Matthew 4, 1 through 11, and Mark chapter 1, 12 and 13. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And so the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You know, in Matthew, every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. Verse 5, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If therefore, if thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. <clears throat> and he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall keep his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time they'll dash thy foot against a stone. Satan is, you know, showing that he knows the Word of God. He knows the Bible. He knows it better than we know it. He knows it better than a human being as possible can know it. Verse 12 says, And Jesus answering said unto him, it is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. He'll be back. But um, it looks, maybe, like Satan himself wasn't sure that Jesus was the Christ. It looks maybe that way. He's trying to get him to either bow down to him or bribe him or... Or, you know, reveal his deity. But, but the Lord wasn't having any of that. You know? Verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the regions round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. What must that have been like to sit there and listen to God himself speaking to you audibly and you could see him? 
Verse 16, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. This prophecy of Isaiah, Jesus said, is fulfilled today in your ears. Verse 22, And all bare him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. There's an account of that. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisus the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaram, Naaman the Syrian. And they, and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were fulfilled, were filled, I'm sorry, with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. They didn't want to believe him. He said, is this not the son of Joseph? They didn't recognize the Holy Spirit on him. You know, we learn in one of Paul's letters in Corinthians that you're the smell of death to those that are perishing. Obviously, being in the midst with Jesus Christ was the smell of death to those who were perishing. After I had gotten saved and truly saved, I started reading the Bible and believing it completely. And even later teaching a Bible study. I remember a couple of different friends I had like 30 years prior that I hadn't seen. And I would tell them what I was doing. That I was studying the Bible, I was saved, I was teaching a Bible study. And a couple of them said, in effect, this, except it was in their mind, they, like they'd have never thought, you know, almost as though. Is this man here, isn't he the son of Pete Newberry? He's not, he's not going to be teaching any Bible. He's not going to be getting saved, stuff they heard me say and do. So God will save any of us. I'm living proof of that. Jesus passes through their midst and went his way. That's just one short verse. Probably walked right through them. Walked right through them. You know, he he could hold the eyes of any human being. Remember on the road to Damascus, they their eyes and their understanding were held. They couldn't tell who they were walking along with. He had great power. <clears throat>
He had the power to heal. Did he appear as another person? Did he make himself invisible? How did he do this? Did he just hold the eyes of those who wanted to throw him off the cliff? <coughs> but that's the way he went. He vanished out of their sight. He did. It amazed. Yeah. Yeah, he... And even here, before the crucifixion and resurrection, he still had incredible power as the visible image of the living God. Verse 31, And came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying let us alone what have we to do with thee thou jesus of nazareth art thou come to destroy us i know thee who thou art the holy one of god and jesus rebuked him saying hold thy peace and come out of him and when the devil had thrown him in the midst he came out of him and hurt him not And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. The Lord has seen to it that we have that power. Even an unbeliever can command a a demon out and the demon obeys. The demon can't tell if you belong to God or not. Remember the account in the book of Acts, the seven sons of Siva. They They weren't Christians. They were going around like it was some kind of a sideshow, casting out demons. But then they go... In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who Paul preaches, you come out. And that one devil was not quite as naive as the others. He said, we know the Lord Jesus Christ, and we know Paul, but who are you? Ooh, and it was on. He shredded their clothes off of them they was running, while they were running away. Um, there are videos that certainly seem credible and some of them it's old film and it's Catholics doing exorcisms and these uh, these things look pretty legit I didn't see this when I heard of it a 14 year old girl weighed about 80 pounds 90 something like that four men barely got a hold of her she was throwing them against the walls with just supernatural strength Lots of accounts of these demon possessions that this demon doesn't want to listen. And maybe the reason that he isn't listening is these people that have showed up for this exorcism really don't have the power of God with them. All they've got is, you know, like those sons of Siva and Acts. They're just going off of his name, but they don't have the protection and the authority. It speaks here how... Jesus spoke with authority and they marveled at that. They could tell whoever is saying this is speaking with authority. You know, not to not to in any way belittle this, but think of if somebody if Morgan Freeman tells you that it's a good idea to jump off a bridge, you'll probably think about it for a moment. You know, because he's got that voice. Um think about how much more intense the voice of God himself here must have been for these people to have heard that. So the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Let's go to verse 38. Let me see where we are. Verse 38. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife... Simon's wife's mother, this is going to be Peter's mother-in-law, was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. 
Well, they know who he is. They're not calling a doctor. They're calling the great physician. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. This speaks as though the fever itself is the problem. Now, modern medicine will tell you the reason you have a fever is something else is wrong. And you need to cure whatever else is wrong, and then the fever will go away. Just at the straight reading of this, he told the fever to leave. He didn't tell the, you know, you know and I don't want to make too much of that. Whatever it was, she was healed of it seemingly instantly. Because she got up and started, it says ministered unto them, served them, waited on them, helped them. Verse 40, now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And anybody listening in to hear one of these evil spirits say, I know who you are. You're Christ. You're the Son of God. That would cause onlookers to say, wow, this person was demon hacked. That's a phrase I came up with about five or six years ago and finally got some traction on the World Wide Web. They knew this person was possessed of a devil. And then they saw the difference. And then they heard that devil say, you're Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That adds a lot of credibility to who he said he was, to hear even the demons affirm it. Verse 42, And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. We talked about how in the Old Testament they acted out certain things. You know, even the Passover, of course, they have to have a perfect lamb Without blemish. It has to be kept for, I think, two weeks to affirm that it's not sick, that there's nothing wrong with it. And they go to the priest, and the priest has to sign off and say, this lamb is clean with no blemish. And then the fulfillment of Passover comes around. And strangely, interestingly, Pontius Pilate serves that role in that fulfillment by going out and saying of Jesus, I find no fault in this man. I don't think Pilate really wanted to see Jesus crucified. He tried to get the crowd to take Barabbas to the cross, not Jesus, because he said there's no fault in this man. But nothing would do him. Crucify him, they chanted. So Pilate let it happen. I believe there's with reasonably, I, I think that it's, it's reasonable to think that Pilate would have gotten saved. Uh, you just kind of pick that up from him as you're reading of the account where he really didn't want to do it. He's talking to his wife. She's had this dream, right? Well, they're alleging that Pilate was in the catacombs. And then yeah. he washed his hands and yeah. all on. Yeah. Well, that too. It's like, this is not on me. This is on you. It's not on me. I did not want this to be the case. Did he have the power to go against their will? Yeah. He might have had the power from from Caesar to go against their will, but I don't think he could have because it wasn't God's will. It was God's will that Christ died on the cross. So Pilate had to do what he did. And of course, Judas Iscariot had to do what he did, and I don't expect to run into him in the kingdom of heaven. 
I don't think so. I reckon not. Yeah. So a petition. Yeah. That's the Antichrist will consume when he gets back. He is the Antichrist. Oh, Iscariot? Well, the devil. Satan, yeah. He goes into whomever. We'll take a few minutes here at the end. Uh, uh, Do you some research on this King Charles character. Uh, Look at his coat of arms. Compare the King Charles coat of arms to Revelation 13. It makes you think that some artist was said, design a coat of arms for, for the king here. And he says, okay, let me see what inspiration I can come up with. Well, Revelation 13 looks pretty good. And he makes it just like that. Very strange. Uh, king Charles, it's been in the last couple of months, was at some forum somewhere with all these Illuminati muckety-mucks. Speaking of uh, the idea that in order to combat climate change, that we need to go to a military footing, he said, military footing. And we need trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars at his disposal. Whose disposal? His disposal. Who's his? The Antichrist, no doubt. He didn't say my disposal, but he said his. Now, Satan will be in him. This uh, this British royalty, there is so much occultism. There is so much devil worship and all that. You know, uh, they are all corrupt as they could possibly be. They're inbred. Um, now, William... William the Prince. It's interesting that uh, Daniel chapter 9 says, uh, refers the people of the prince who is to come. Well, there were British peoples involved with the Roman uh, Empire. And, And a lot of these Bible teachers speak of the Roman Empire as if it was the final and last of the great empires. Not even close. Which was the greatest empire ever recorded in history? The British. And what did it say? The sun never sets on the British Empire. But they they inculcated a lot of what the Roman Empire had, and then more, right? So this prince who is to come, could it be a literal prince? Why did the Bible say prince? didn't say king who is to come. It said prince. It's worth considering. Is King Charles going to somehow succumb to an illness or be killed in some way and then up steps Prince William? Or will King Charles just stay in the background while Prince William is inhabited by Satan himself? A lot of people feel like that's a real stretch, but there are some real oddities about that man. He has been photographed three times with a little lamb in a chokehold. Well, he's got it underneath his front legs with his left arm, and he's got his right hand holding the hoof, the rear hoof of the lamb into the camera. And come to find out, that is some kind of an Illuminati symbol as I will defeat the lamb. Very strangely, and you can take this as for what it's worth, you have to look it up. A lot of stuff you have to find on uh, rumble.com or bitshoot.com. The Shroud of Turin, some people don't think that's the burial cloth of Christ. I don't know. But the image on that Shroud of Turin lays over Prince William's face, jawline, mouth, nose, structure, eye set, everything. And it gave reason to wonder. You know, this uh, holy grail, this cup, they're pursuing this cup that uh, Jesus drank from at the Last Supper. Mm -hmm. They need that. They want that. What if it wasn't that? What if what they really wanted was that shroud? Because it's been clipped away at. 
you know, different times, and it went through a fire and had some repairs made. Come to find out they carbon dated a piece that was added on later and said, oh, this is from the 1300s, so that one piece was. But the main part isn't what they tested. There's blood on that shroud. With blood, well, you can get DNA. And what might they do with that? Might they, and they have the technology to do it, they've had it for a long time, impregnate a virgin, and you know who that was? Diana. And she herself said, I believe I've been used as a birthing chamber. At one point, she did not want to give birth to that child. Something in her spirit said, this is wrong. And she threw herself down the stairs. She hoped to miscarry, but it didn't. Um, Will I am. William. I think he'd be one to keep an eye on. There is some character who is going to step onto the scene in Israel and they are going to believe that he is their Messiah. But they're not going to believe it unless his DNA matches the DNA of the remains of King David. And they haven't opened that tomb, but they're certain they have the tomb where the remains of King David rest. When the time comes, they'll say, let's see if you match. King David, are you from the line of David? And if they've used the blood off of the shroud, and that really was the burial cloth of Christ, and they really did pull it off to see a child born with that DNA, then everybody in Israel just about is going to say, he's our Messiah. And they will immediately begin to worship the Antichrist. Now, he will be no friend of Israel. People say, how will the Arabs, how will the, the Muslims, the Palestinians um, react to this whole idea? Well, he'll come out swinging in their favor. And the Israelites are like, he's our Messiah. Well, you can't question him. You know, give, yeah, give, him, a, give him a half the city, give him the whole city to do whatever he says. So that's what you want to keep on your radar screen. Watch the British crown. Watch them people. This empire that so many have thought, well, it's the Roman Empire. Have you listened to any of what Danny Dannon has said lately? What's that? He's on Benjamin Netanyahu's inner circle or whatever. He said that he expect... Uh, Netanyahu will go along with the agreement to divide the city within a year. And they're, they're getting ready to bring on the one world religion, the Chrislam. Well, yeah, they're going to try that. You know, the prophecy in Isaiah, I'm sorry, Zechariah, Zechariah says that during this battle, which certainly appears to be Armageddon, which is the same thing as Ezekiel 38, 39, it... it kind of bothers me to see people teach Ezekiel 38:39 has to happen before Armageddon. If that's the case, we've got we're, we shouldn't be looking for the return of Christ anytime soon. No, that's that's got to be Armageddon because it pivots directly in chapter 40 of Ezekiel to describing the millennial temple. And you know, why would the Holy Spirit through Ezekiel tell about this battle of 38 and 39 and then just say, well, let's fast forward about three generations. Let me tell you what this temple's going to look like. That makes no sense. That is Armageddon. You've got the earthquake. You've got the vultures eating. You've you got... to take Ezekiel with the chapters backwards. I had tried you that. You read 40, then you read 39, and then you read 38. <clears throat> 37. You go backwards. 37 is where uh, Israel has reassembled the dry bones and that has been fulfilled. Israel is once again a nation. But uh, we need to watch them. You know, this whole revived Roman Empire thing is not a revived Roman Empire. It's going to be a revived British Empire, I think. Um, simply because of the daunting size of the British Empire versus the Romans. It was much larger. Uh, that is what I would look for. 
So we're probably at a point where we could wrap it up. We're right, yeah, we're it looks like we're right at an hour. All right, let's join hands. Bob? Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this time of fellowship today. We want to keep in remembrance the reason for this season. It's not of just giving gifts for the sake of that, but to keep in mind the real reason why Christ came to earth. We want to be able to uh, really remember the reason for this time. And we thank Dan and his family for opening up his house for us to study, to be uh, part of this group where iron sharpens iron and and just uh, keep us persevering at this trying times in our economy and and just guide our paths and keep us safe on the way back home. Amen. Amen. Amen.